Amen. All right. I feel good. Give me a woo-hoo if you feel good this morning. Hey, we have some rock stars here that we like to uh, just make mention of, especially for our guests that don't realize that we are a church of rock stars. And we have some rock stars here who are celebrating, I believe, an anniversary today. Alvin and Barbara Duncan are celebrating. They have an anniversary. And let's see, are you guys here? Where are you? Give me a... I got hands over here. Give me a woohoo if you're here. Where are you? Woohoo. There they are. Celebrating anniversary. Awesome. And I've been told that it is an anniversary of their 50th. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's, that's it. So we're great. They are celebrating the memory of their 50th anniversary. That is great. Uh, I, here's another reason for you to um, woohoo. Uh, Abby Kate Bailey was baptized yesterday, or as she likes to be known, the insanely cool AC. Uh, she was baptized, there she is with her grandfather and her cousin. Uh, she is the daughter of Roddy and Gina Bailey, big sister of Alec. She's a part of our uh, church family, and we were excited, uh, my family, to be able to be a part of that uh, yesterday. So, Abby Kate, where are you, AC? There she is. Woohoo! All right. And we, uh, hey, look, we want to woohoo for you too. If you are here and you have questions about uh, baptism, if you have questions about uh, what, what an event like this is all about and its importance and its meaning, I would love to have a conversation with you. I'll be in the back in the lobby when we are finished with our time here this morning. And any questions that you have, if it's something that you've been thinking about, if you'd like to study more about, I'll be glad to talk with you about that and look forward to the conversations that we can have. Because we want to woohoo some more together because individuals say, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I want to trust in Him for my salvation. We've been talking about grace in the real world this summer, and we've been looking at how God's grace is just needed for just some, where the rubber meets the road, real life situations. And we've allowed the message of Scripture to speak to everything from our politics to our biases. We've talked about how that our identity is found in Christ and how that we need to learn to woohoo about God's grace. And God has, I think, used our time. He's used this whole time this summer for us to be able to, to be reminded that we are the instruments of grace within our schools, within our communities, the places where we work. But did you understand that you are also the, the instrument of God's grace here in this church? Have you ever thought about the impact that grace should have within these walls? You see, I believe God has an expectation for His grace in the midst of our church family. I don't think it's just those who are outside of our church family that need to be extended grace. I think it's also those who are a part of this family, who maybe we have known for years, who need to be the recipients of the grace of God coming from each and every one of us. And understand this. As we live as instruments of God's grace, God is going to be bringing, he's going to be bringing more and more people into our midst. God is going to add to our number, men and women from all types of backgrounds, coming from all types of places, with all types of histories and all types of stories. And they all just want to be Jesus people. 
And they want to serve and they want to grow and they want to learn how to love more fully. And that can be difficult because new people means new stories and new people means new histories and new struggles and new people it means new preferences. And more often than not, it's the mixing of those new and those old preferences together that causes Christian communities to lose their focus and in the process, I believe, lose their witness of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul would write multiple letters to a group of Christians living in modern-day Greece because of this particular issue. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, I want us to to look here for a few minutes this morning. He writes to a group of people that had lost their focus and it was impacting their witness. And so he speaks to them in verse 10 and he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other and let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I'm thankful for the way that you bring together so many different people within the body of Christ. You have seen fit to send out the message of good news in so many different languages. You have seen fit to allow this message to reach to the heart of people with so many different backgrounds. And you have brought all of these individuals together since the very beginning that the message was spoke. You brought all these individuals together so that the world might see your wisdom and understand just how great and wonderful and powerful you are. Is my prayer for our congregation here that we would continue to be a light to those who are around us. That we would continue to be an example of what it means to, to have people drawn together from so many backgrounds and yet be united around one common Savior. I thank you for the diversity that's found within our congregation. For the young, for the old, for all the different languages, for the different colors, for for the different stories and how together he unites us in Jesus Christ. May we continue to be the example of the body that you would call us to be. In the name of grace we pray. Amen. You know, as you read through the letter to the Corinthians, you find that there are a lot of different things that they were divided over. But Paul focuses in right here in chapter 1 on on just a game that they were playing. It was a game of who's my favorite? It was who's my favorite preacher? Who's my favorite leader? That was the problem that they had. They had certain likes. They had certain individuals that they wanted to follow more than others. And really what it came down to was just a matter of preference. And here's something that you need to know. Write this down to your glory, praise, and honor if you don't mind. We all have our own preferences. We do. And preferences are not wrong in and of themselves. We all have things that we prefer. But it's when we develop the attitude that, well, my preference must become your preference, 
that we start to run into all kinds of problems. Or as we'll see next week, what happens when our practice is not my preference? Well, then what do I do? I'll come back next week and we'll talk about that. Here we have Paul saying in verse 12, he kind of defines what the issue is. He says, look, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, well, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter or, or I follow Christ. And so he talks about there's these different divisions. There's four of them they list here that are just kind of distracting the family of God from what they need to be doing. He said, now there's some of you that say, I follow Paul. Now, as Paul, that might feel pretty good, right? It was like, well, that's great. It's probably a Gentile group of converts that he's referring to. People who did not grow up with a Jewish background. Individuals that, that he probably had a direct impact on bringing to knowledge of Jesus Christ. Individuals that perhaps he was responsible for teaching the good news to. But most likely these people did not have the traditional Jewish culture that others had had. They became Christians as a Gentile. So as a result, they didn't worry too much about some of the things that the Jews did. Their religious traditions and other things that perhaps people in the church at Corinth thought were sacred and important. They weren't very concerned about these religious rituals because it wasn't a part of their heritage. They didn't have that story. They didn't have that history. That wasn't who they were. They didn't grow up in church. And so everything about the Christian faith was new. And they were like, man, we love Paul. And we love it when Paul preaches. We love it when Paul writes to us. We love the way Paul wears that toga. Man, he rocks it. It is awesome. I want to be like Paul. There were other people who were part of the congregation that said, you know what? We like Apollos. And Apollos was known as being more of the intellectual type. And maybe he attracted those who were more deep in their thought. They thought of themselves as intellectuals. He is referred to as being someone who was a gifted orator, a very gifted teacher. And there were those who said, I just love to sit at the feet of Apollos. And I just love to soak it in. I love the way he can go through and tell us exactly what all of the, the nuances is of these scriptures I love being a part of his Bible classes. And so they walked in and they had these foam fingers. I love Apollos and Apollos is great. And then there was another group over here that said, wait a minute, what about Peter? I mean, come on, you got to be able to love Peter. I mean, he got out of the boat. He walked on water. He was with Jesus from the beginning. And probably many in the congregation who were of a Jewish background said, you know what? We're old school followers of God. We and Peter, we are peeps. We understand each other. And they followed Jesus, but they didn't necessarily want to let go of their sacred traditions and a lot of the religious rituals. They wanted to bring those in and keep practicing them because, oh, that's what grandma did. And that's what grandpa did. And my mom loved Peter. And my dad told me, when you grow up, I want you to be just like Peter. And so they were like, man, we're Peter people. That's who we are. And then there was a group in the back there that said, listen, we just follow Jesus. Amen. We just follow Jesus. We follow only Christ. And when you read that, you think, well, shouldn't everybody? I mean, that's the group that you would want to be a part of. But here's what's actually taking place. You had a group of people who were saying, you know what? I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And I don't need to listen to Paul. I don't need to listen to Peter. I follow Jesus. 
In other words, they're saying, I really don't need spiritual authority of any kind. I don't need to have anyone explain things to me because, well, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. We're tight. And you just have to follow Jesus, right? That's all I need is, is Jesus. I don't need the teachings that come from the church. I don't need the teachings of these other people. Scripture, why, why Scripture? I follow Jesus. And so you have these four different groups. And because you have these four different groups who were divided because of preference, you begin to pick up on the fact, you know what? Preference is a problem. And you know that preference is a problem when the church becomes divided. Preference is a problem when the church becomes divided. When my preference is more important than our relationship, there's a problem. Paul wants them to come together. He wants them to be united. But how do you do that? I mean, how do you do that when you got the group over here saying, Paul, 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 and then you've got Apollos, Apollos, and Peter, Peter, and Jesus, Jesus. How do you get people to come together? Well, you'd think that Paul would stand up and say, well, let me just tell you, I am the best leader. Let me just answer it right here now. If you want to know who to follow, the group that's over here is following the correct one. And all of you others, you just need to get in line with who is the leader. Sounds good. And yet Paul doesn't present an argument like that at all. He doesn't try to say, you know what, that group following Peter, yeah, they're the best. They're right. And we all need to get with it. Instead, here's what he does. He says, when preference is a problem, you need to put it to rest. You need to put it to rest. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. And I want to show you what the original language, how it's written. And I want, you to, I want to show you how some different versions have translated this. To kind of get an idea as to what Paul is actually saying here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. If you literally just lay down the words as they are written in Greek, it says the same thing, you speak all. Okay, that's what Paul tells them. Look, I want you to be divided. The same thing, you speak all. The English Standard Version, then translate that. Look, I want all of you to agree. NIV says, agree with one another in what you say. Now, reading that, it makes it sound almost as if, look, everybody's got to come to a consensus about which leader you're going to follow. Everybody's got to decide, which one are you going to do? Are you going to be Peter? Are you going to be Paulus? Are you going to be Peter? Or are you going to be Jesus? What are you going to do? I want you to agree. The word that Paul uses there for speak, however, is a word that originally meant to lay down to sleep. And it would be used later to talk about laying an argument to rest or bringing a message to its closure. So when Paul says, listen, the same thing you speak all, he is not necessarily saying that, look, all of you guys over here have to come and talk with all these people over here and you have to come to a conclusion as to who you're all going to follow. Instead, as a couple of other translations translate, as they try to, to get the meaning of this phrase, he's saying, look, I want you to live in harmony with one another. Or the Living Bible, I really like what it says, stop arguing among yourselves. Paul says, look, I want you to put this issue to rest. Enough with who you think is the best. 
or who you like the most, of which or which one of these guys you relate the most to. Let it rest. Let it rest. You know, I have found that church members often spend more time arguing about preferences than testifying about grace. And I've known church leaderships whose time was so monopolized by every group and by every faction within the church that they had little time or energy to focus on sharing the good news of Jesus with the hurting community around them. And I have seen churches whose members were just so plain tired and worn out due to all the gossip and the backbiting and the criticism that surrounded the worship assembly. And Paul says, put it to rest. Put it to rest. Stop being consumed by it. But I like, put it to rest. But I prefer, put it to rest. But I, put it to rest. Because when your preference begins to cause division, it's a problem. And so you put it to rest. And Paul says, you unite under the cross of Jesus Christ. He helps them see that there's a greater thing. The grace that they had received through Jesus. And Paul's feeling is that that grace is enough to bring the people together. No matter which leader they wanted to follow. No matter which they thought was the best orator or who had the best relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, look, grace is enough. And it's fine if you have different preferences. It's fine if you have different opinions. But you can still be united because of the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. Because grace is greater than preference. It's greater. And so in verse 13, Paul immediately points them to Jesus. He centers them back. He says, look, you've lost focus because you're looking in the wrong place and you're concerned about the wrong things. And so he brings them back and he focuses them in. And he says in verse 13, look, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? In other words, he's saying, look, guys, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter. It's not him who saved you. So why are you making this about us? Jesus is the one that forgave your sins. Jesus is the one who saved you for all eternity. And since you have this great one thing in common, then do all these other things really matter? And maybe there were those within that church, as are within many of our churches today, who want to go, yes. And Paul says, put it to rest and unite under the cross of Christ. Because this is what the church should look like, a group of people who may not seem to have a lot in common, but in fact they have everything in common because of the relationship that they share in Jesus Christ. And you know what? I see this so often in our East Brainerd family when I listen and I hear your stories. We have people who are part of this church who have traveled the world and others who to them Dunlap is a mile and a half and a world away. People who grew up in the church and those who are new to faith. We have those who might be considered to be rich and we have those who might be considered to be poor. Those with master's degrees sitting beside someone who only finished the eighth grade. We have public school and we have private school. We have old and young. We have English and Hispanic. 
And you know what? People might look and say, what in the world do you people have in common? We have the one thing that's needed. We have grace. We have grace. And grace is greater than preference. You know, unity in the church is much different than unity like in a country club or something like that. You go to a country club and people usually tend to kind of get along well because, well, they have similar backgrounds and similar lifestyles and even perhaps similar bank accounts. Similar interests, all these things they just have in common and so it's easy to be united. But that's not the case in the church because God calls people from all kinds of places and all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of thought processes with all kinds of different opinions. And the church should be a place where people can come and yet be different. People who have no natural or obvious reason to associate and yet are drawn together because of Jesus because that's just how big grace is. Now, some of you just a minute ago, you were introduced for the first time to, um, to Steve Kahn. Steve's one of our elders here. And um, Steve, I want you to come on up if you don't mind. I want you to come up here. I need your help for just for a minute. I had lunch with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they said, wow, you really like Steve Kahn. And I said, was that because he's regularly handsome? And they said, no, it's because he doesn't have hair. So um, here we go. Let's do Bob Barker for a minute right here. All right. I just lost half the audience when I said Bob Barker, but that's all right. You, you, you carry that. You got that one? All right, Steve, I want you to come over here. And, and I just want you to do something really, um, really easy for me. Uh, on this table, I have a taste test that is set up. And I have uh, church-appropriate beverages all in these cups right here. All right? Some of you laughed way too much on that. All right? Um, and I right. saw who it was, so... <laughs> all right, church-appropriate beverages right here. They're all of the same. They're all the same color, right? You really can't tell what's what. And uh, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to let you taste one, two, and three, and then I just want you to tell me which one you you prefer. All right. So here, here's number one. Okay. Just take that. Give it a swig. All right. You just get that in your mouth. All right. You got that one. Thank you. That was number one. Now try number two. Go ahead. Okay, good. All right, got the, All right, number two. All right, now let's go to number three. Okay. All right, you got that one. Okay, now, everybody here has watched you. We have not talked about this beforehand, right? No. Nope. Okay, you had no idea what was in the cups. No. Nope. And now uh, you have tried one, two, and three. And which, Steve, do you prefer? I'm going to go with three. You're going to go with three. I'm going to go with three. All right. You're going to go with three. Mm -hmm. And the winner of number three is Dr. Pepper. Winner of number three is Dr. Pepper. Uh, oh, who just... Mm. <laughs> you see, I was really hoping that Steve would choose something else. Uh, have, any of you, are you with Steve? Are you on Team Steve with Dr. Pepper? Any of you? All right. Well... Because everybody knows, I mean, that Coca-Cola is the best, right? I mean, see, we, we've got te Team Coke, and um, well, then we just got the liberals that like Pepsi. That's what we have right there. Um, now we had, we had we had Pepsi and we had Coke and we had and we had Dr. Pepper, and I was really hoping that Steve would choose 
would choose better. Uh, because, I mean, I, I prefer Coke. I mean, I, I, I've got cases. How many cases of Coke, Miss Tanya? How many cases of Coke do we have at the house right now? What, two or three, right? I mean, I, I prefer Coke. And, and Steve's my elder. And I'm disappointed in you, Steve. And, I mean, I mean, if you had gone with Pepsi, maybe I could have gone there with you. But, but the fact that you, the fact that you prefer Dr. Pepper, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, it just changes the way I see him now. Where is it that you sit? I'm right over here. Well, good, because that, that's on the opposite side of me, and that's good, because I, I was afraid that we might be too close. And Now, do you really like, I mean, you really chose number three. Um, I, I'm a pepper. You're, you're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper, too? No, I... <laughs> I... I just can't go there with you, my friend. I mean, I... And I really didn't think this was even going to be an option. I mean, I just assumed that, that you know, that, that you knew that Coke is the real thing. I mean, right? I mean, it, it's, it's the real thing. And, hmm, man, woohoo! I mean, that's just really... Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, because you drank it in my presence. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you just say you prefer it, but now because you're actually drinking it right here, I'm just, I don't know. I guess everything changes now, and it's just all different in our relationship. Our, We're not friends anymore? It's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be hard. Now, guys, we're just talking about Pepsi and Coke and Dr. Pepper. And we laugh. But you understand that churches have split over much less, don't you? You understand that because of preference, men and women have said, I know that you're my brother, but because you do not prefer my choice, or I can't sit on the same side of the auditorium as you, or I can't be in your small group, or can't be under your teaching in Bible class, or I can't worship with you, I can't serve with you. I, it all changes because your preference is different from mine. And all of a sudden, church, it's no longer a laughing matter. Because take away the Pepsis and take away the Coke and take away the Dr. Pepper. And let's say that behind door number one, two, and three, if I had come up with some kind of church issue, some kind of church position, some kind of ministry, some kind of decision from the leadership, and said, all right, now I want you to choose. And all of a sudden, all the high is like, oh, okay. Hope he doesn't choose number one. Hope he doesn't choose number two. Hope he doesn't choose number three. Steve, I appreciate you helping me. Would you like to have the Dr. Pepper as you? I'm good you, for now. You're good for now? All right. At least maybe I've converted you. All right, good. You repented. Yeah, put back the Bob Barker mic. Hey, by the way, Steve, hang on. Before you leave, come back to the microphone. 
You like Dr. Pepper, right? Yes. Is that microphone on? You got it? Yes, I like Dr. Pepper. Would you please tell everybody here who your Savior is? Jesus Christ is my Savior. Thank you. How about this? On the count of three, will everybody just say the name of your Savior? One, two, three. And isn't that all we need? Isn't that enough? You see, it, it's okay to be different. It's okay to have different preferences of dress and, and different preferences on style of music. It's okay if we have different faith backgrounds and traditions. Some of you like things one way and some of you like things another. And that's okay. It's the way that church is supposed to be. Where people come together and we're different. But in Christ we are united. Now here's what I want you to see about this whole thing that Paul is talking about. You need to understand something. It was not a biblical issue that Paul was addressing. It was not a biblical issue that divided that church. Had it been a biblical issue, then Paul would not have pleaded for unity. Because unity should never come at the sacrifice of biblical truth. You need to hear that. It wasn't an issue of immoral behavior. That wasn't what was going on in chapter 5. You're going to see if you continue reading through this letter that there was, some, there was some immoral behavior that was taking place. And Paul didn't say, you know what? It's no big deal. You guys should just be united. That's not what he does. But it wasn't a biblical issue. It was a matter of preference. And that just tends to be the most divisive issues within churches today. You know, there was a study that was done of more than 400 churches. And researchers looked to discover what was the most dividing issue in the body of Christ. And here was what they found. Song styles. Yeah, in all the churches, song styles. Now think about that for a minute. People who are saved by the grace of God, who've been rescued from eternal separation who are now in a relationship that brings fulfillment, that brings salvation, that brings peace, that allows for an individual to know that my eternity is secure, that individual who's experienced that grace is going to get upset with another person all because they like a different style of music. The second most divisive issue was the minister's leadership style. Third most divisive, finances. On down the list, you continue to look, you find the decoration of the church facilities, proper worship attire. And you just go through it and you go, wait a minute, where are the, where's this in the Bible? Where can I find these things in, in, in Scripture? And they just aren't there. The Bible doesn't even speak to the things that were on this list. And, let, and yet, for a lot of us, we make things just like this sacred and important, and they're not even talked about in Scripture. They're just matters of opinion and they're matters of preference. And yet they can be so divisive. I want you to understand that our goal here as a church is to be a place of uniformity. Or excuse me, is not to be a place of uniformity, but to be a place of unity. See, uniformity is when we have a lot of people together who are kind of the same age, dressing the same way, liking the same kind of songs, preferring the same kind of teaching. We don't want a place where there's uniformity. Because that's not church. And one of the marks of maturity in a church is that there isn't uniformity. In other words, you go to church and everybody, well, everybody looks a little bit different than you. 
And yeah, people think differently than you. That's unity. That's what we want. Unity by definition requires diversity. If there's no diversity, then you cannot claim unity. So we don't want to be a place of uniformity where everybody just looks together, looks the same, and and walks in lockstep together. We want a place of unity where people are completely different, having different opinions, different preferences, but we come together as one because of Jesus Christ and God's grace, and they're just that great. So as a church, our goal is not to be a place of uniformity, but to be a place of unity. And please write this down. Unity requires grace. Requires grace. You see, this is the place where it just shouldn't matter. It just shouldn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It shouldn't matter the color of your skin. It shouldn't matter if you dress really nice or if you don't dress nice. This is the place where it shouldn't matter Where people can come together and have completely different preferences. Where some can say, you know what, I prefer hymns. And some say, I prefer learning new songs. We have Jesus Christ in common. And Paul says, that's enough. And so here at East Brainerd, our leadership makes decisions based not on preferences but on what they prayerfully believe will help us most effectively carry out the mission of God. Now, let me just tell you the truth about that. Sometimes these decisions will align with your preferred preference. It will. Other times, the decisions that our leadership make will go against your preference. And there may be seasons when your preference is never the direction that we go as a congregation. And that's okay. You see, assembly styles, assembly times, preaching styles, Bible class structure, ministry focus, financial appropriations, staffing choices, Even coffee and donuts. Each of us have a preference on all of these things. But that preference is never to be more important than our relationship. Because you are sitting right next to someone who is loved by God. And you are sitting right behind someone who Christ went to the cross for. And you are sitting... Right in front of somebody who has trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And no amount of preference or opinion should ever come between brothers and sisters who know the grace of God. Just shouldn't. Paul says, let it rest. You say, but I, I, I prefer some things. I know you do. And there are things that I prefer. And there are things that people around you prefer. There are things that our leadership prefers. But it's not about preference. It's about mission. And as a church, we will do whatever is not sin in order to accomplish the mission of God. 
And again, sometimes that will hit your preference and you're going to be, woohoo! And there are other times you'll say, boy, I would really prefer if we didn't, and that's okay. And there might be a season where you say, you know what, we haven't done anything that I prefer at all. And yet you have a mature response to that. Where you say, you know what, I trust our spiritual leaders to lead us in a way that will allow our church to effectively live out the mission of God in our present context. And you're going to have a mature response and you're going to say, I will not allow my preference to become a problem. And you're going to have a mature response and you're going to say, I will not allow my preference to become a litmus test for another's faithfulness. And you're going to have a mature response and you're going to say, I will not allow my preference to come between my relationship with another brother or sister. And you're going to have a mature response and you're going to say, I will not sacrifice a generation on the altar of my preference. And you're going to say, it's not about me. And it's not about Peter or Paul or Apollos or anything else that I might group up under. It's not about Coke. It's not about Dr. Pepper. It's about Jesus Christ. And so if you ask me, do I have a preference? Yes, I do. I prefer grace. How about you? Father, thank you. Thank you again for this church family and for the way that you have used it through the years and for the way in which you continue to bring people together from all backgrounds with all kinds of thoughts, with all kinds of preferences. And I thank you for the way that you have continually worked on all of our hearts so that we might we might put away sometimes our own wants and needs or desires and think about others. And I'm thankful for the way that you continually set before us your mission, restoring your creation, bringing men, women, old and young to a knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Father, I continue to pray that we will be even more united tomorrow than we are today. And that we will be more united next week and the next month and the next year. And that you will use the unity that is seen here to do amazing things in your kingdom. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your grace. May we, me, may we be willing to share it with our brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And together as a church, we say, amen. If you need to come this morning, for whatever reason it might be, Derek's going to lead us. Let's stand and give praise to our God.